Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Our text for our sermon is the gospel history according to St. John as recorded in chapter 15 verses 1 through 8. To remind you of that account, I will read the first verse. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. This is the gospel of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do you notice in this text Jesus doesn't say, I'm kind of like a vine or I can be compared to the vine. He says, I am the true vine. We call it the mystical union of all believers and our sermon text today is the section of the Bible that is one of those that proves this, where we get this doctrine. And the teaching is simple. You and I are dead in our sin and trespasses. That's original sin. The Holy Spirit has engrafted us to the vine that is Christ. That's your new man. The sap of Christ, if you will, runs through you. You are intimately connected to Christ in a way that defies our human understanding, but it is there. He is the true vine. And so today, as we look at that, our sermon theme is the encouragement, remain in the true vine. Jesus says, I myself am the vine, specifically the true one, and my father is the vine dresser. He removes every branch in me that does not keep on bearing fruit, and he prunes every branch that keeps on bearing fruit, so that it may keep on bearing even more fruit. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, thanks to a pastor before me, Pastor Spouty, there are two grapevines in my backyard. And over four years with the wonderful green thumb gifts that God has given me, I've managed not to kill them. Watering them faithfully and everything else. The first year they produced grapes pretty much just with me watering them. There were vines everywhere and I knew I needed to trim them. I know enough of history, but I didn't. And what I got were these little pea-sized things. All righty, the next year we started trimming. And after trial and error, and like I said, my gifts of green thumbs, last year in September, I had finally got at least one branch down. You see, if the branch grows past the cluster of grapes, it will take some of the sap that you need and you don't get the good grapes. So you've got to prune that branch. Ah, but you also, if there's a branch that's not bearing grapes, you want to leave some foliage above to protect those grapes from the Wyoming sun. And last year, finally in September, I finally had one cluster of grapes that were going to be harvestable. And I had to go to conference in September. And three days later, when I came home, I ran out to see if they were harvestable yet. And I found out they must have been because one of those wild critters had come and plucked every last one of those grapes. A branch left to itself will only produce those little, tiny, pea-sized things. It really takes a lot of tender care to get the full-sized grapes like what we buy at the grocery store. And so we're told that God the Father prunes those that produce fruit, and he does it so that you produce even more fruit. Now, God's pruning comes in one of two ways. The very first way that God prunes us is his discipline. Now, we always want to make a distinction between punishment and discipline. The punishment for our sins was paid in full by Christ, so we're not going to hell. If you're connected to the vine, so long as you are, you're not going to hell. So discipline, though, God will allow us to suffer the consequences of our sin so that we remain in the vine. So let me give you an example. 
If I were to decide that I needed more money than what God provides, and so I were to go and rob a bank, I could pretty much bet that I probably wouldn't make it out the bank door, mostly because I'm kind of a keystone bumbling kind of person. But I could also bet then as a discipline for wanting to take what God had not given me but had given to others that was not mine, I could bet that God would probably allow me to go serve some prison time as a discipline so that I would stop robbing banks. God often allows us to suffer the consequences for our sin as a discipline so that we are then empowered to struggle against those sins. Because while we're connected to Christ, the vine, we still in this life have that sinful nature. And he really likes to get us to do the things that we shouldn't do. So God often will allow us this discipline. That's one of the ways he prunes so that we struggle against those sins so that we don't allow them to have a place in our heart that would drive the Holy Spirit out and sever us from the vine that is Christ. Now, the other way that God prunes us, we call crosses. And really, there's two kinds of crosses. The first kind is blatantly being hated as suffering the animosity by a world that hated our Savior. And therefore, since we are connected to him, guess what? We're going to bear that. Now, that happens especially today in countries that are, for example, dominated by radical Islam, where they blow up churches. But it happens here in America when you have that co-worker that you know just hates God and you feel like you've got to keep a tight lip so that you can have peace at work. So God will use persecution to strengthen us. And in fact, the largest growths in the Christian church have always happened in the time when the persecutions were the greatest. So God prunes through persecution. They hate Christ. You're engrafted to Christ. You're a branch connected to the vine. So you can suffer persecution. And God will use that also like he did with the disciples at night in the Garden of Gethsemane to show us where our faith is weak, where we're trusting in ourselves and and running forward with our own sword instead of trusting in God. And by doing so, then he makes us bolder or he gives us heaven. Now, the other kind of crosses that we bear happen when we suffer hardships in this life. So, for example, sometimes we can focus too much on money and God will allow us to go through financial difficulties. When God allows us to suffer hardships, he's doing it to show us either A, here's where your faith is strong and I really want you to know it, or B, Here's where your faith is weak, and now I've exposed it to you. I'm going to put you through this hardship so I can strengthen you. So take, for example, Abraham gets told to go kill his son Isaac. And Abraham has to square that up with the fact that God has promised him that through this son, all nations will be blessed. I always find it interesting. Abraham passed the test, and he says to the servants as he leaves just with Isaac, he says, we'll be back. He'd already figured out God to keep this promise is going to have to raise my son. So God did that to strengthen Abraham's faith and show Abraham where his faith is strong. Next thing mentioned in Abraham's life is the death of his dear wife, Sarah. So God allows us to suffer hardships. They can be health. They can be financial. They can be other things. And these are either A, to show us where our faith is strong or B, to show us where it's weak so he can strengthen us. So God's pruning comes either in discipline or in crosses. And this is done so that we'll bear more fruit. Jesus continues saying, you guys are already clean through the word which I have spoken to you guys. And you've heard me say from this pulpit many times, we have to look at the prepositions in the inspired Greek language that the New Testament was written in. And the preposition used here, dia, you you have this picture of something on one side, but you're now at the other. The apostles were unclean, but now they're clean. 
And what got them there? What's the event? What's the bridge? That's the word. This is very important. It's the word that God uses. The word that tells you shows you both the law showing you your sin and tells you that you have a savior and tells you things like I am the vine, you are the branches. The Holy Spirit works through that word and he creates faith in you and he strengthens faith in you. You're already clean. You're connected to Christ. His blood flows through you. Your new man is there. So even though you and I sin daily, daily our sins are taken away. Wham, done, gone through that word. So. Here, if we want to have a stronger faith, a stronger connection to Christ, you don't need to run off to the bookstore and buy the most popular prayer or whatever else there is. Be in the Word. And ironically, being in the Word is actually a fruit of faith. When you're in the Word, you give the Holy Spirit more ammunition, and it's applied to you, and He strengthens that connection. And you learn, I am clean. So why do I struggle with my sin if I'm already forgiven? That is a fruit of faith, not done in order to be saved, but because you are saved, you are connected to Christ. I don't have to run out and tell the sun to shine. I don't have to tell my grapevine to produce grapes. I need to make sure it's watered and I need to prune it. And it does that. God sees to it. So it is. God sees to it when you're coming to his word that you are producing the fruits. He takes care of that. He prunes you. His word makes that connection to Christ and it keeps you there because it gives you the Holy Spirit. And of course, he gives you his word combined with water and baptism where he's engrafted you to himself. And he gives you his word combined with bread and wine so that you receive the very body and blood of Christ so that you continue to be strengthened in that connection. So Jesus says, remain in me and I myself remain in you guys. And I think it's interesting the way he says it in the inspired Greek. I remain in you guys. So God's going to stay connected to you. The only person who can screw this up is you. So he reminds the disciples. And, and let me remind you, this is the night he's already instituted the Lord's Supper. When we get to John chapter 17, he stops in the Kidron Valley to say his high priestly prayer. This is the night he's going to be betrayed and they're, they're all going to scatter. Remain in me. I am going to keep on remaining in you. And that promise is to you as well. When you're connected to Christ, God says, I will keep on remaining in you. So you're the only one who can screw this up. And that's a comfort. But he also gives a warning. Just as a branch is not able to bear fruit from itself unless it keeps on remaining in the vine, so it is also with you guys unless you keep on remaining in me. If you want a stronger faith, go to where Christ promises to remain. That's in his word. We don't need to run off and do something different or say God's not right here. And this is no. We stay in the word and we stay in Christ. We remain in him. And so Jesus reiterates, I myself keep on being the vine. You guys are the branches. He's talking to plural. You and I are included in this. We're the branches. That's the invisible church. The one who remains in me and I also remain in him, this one will keep on bearing much fruit. Because apart from me, you guys continue being unable to do not even one thing. So how do we know what a fruit is? Well, the Holy Spirit, as I've said, being connected to Christ, makes this happen through us. But the Ten Commandments tell you what a good fruit is. The Ten Commandments that used to sit there and tell you unholy, unholy, when you're connected to Christ, now say, look at the fruit you're producing. And the gospel makes a demand. It demands faith that we trust. And the greatest fruit that we produce, that God produces in us, being connected to the vine that is Christ, 
is that we actually trust that Jesus is our Savior. We trust God's word. When we hear it, we say, Amen. That's God's promise to me, and I believe it. So we see here, remain in the true vine, the branches that produce are pruned. And God's not doing that to punish you, although part of the pruning is discipline. He's doing that so that you will continue to grow those fruits. Hardships in life are actually a good thing. God's discipline is actually a good thing. It's done so that he keeps us connected to Christ and we grow those fruits. You're growing that fruit now. God wants you to hear his word and your new man is doing it while your old man is struggling against it. So we remain in the true vine. The branches that produce are pruned. But going back to verse 2, Jesus said, the father is a vine dresser. He says, he removes every branch in me that does not keep on bearing fruit. Now, I understand this now thanks to Pastor Spouty leaving me grapevines. Those ones that don't produce grape, I've learned I can cut them short and use them to give kind of a canopy to protection, but as a whole, they will steal sap that's needed for those grapes, and if you don't cut them, you don't get harvestable grapes. That's an important thing for us to remember. There are those who can be members of a local congregation and they start to fall away and we want to go after them. That's one of the fruits. We want to remind them, come back, come back. You you need to strengthen your connection with Christ. And Jesus does say he's the good shepherd and he spells out that he'll leave the 99 of his flock behind to go after that one. But when the one keeps straying, is always straying, won't do anything but stay away, there comes a point where the 99 get attacked by the wolves. Just as that branch that is not pruned will steal the sap from the other branches. So there comes a point where God says, this one's not bearing fruit, I'm going to cut it. And that's something for us to remember that, yes, we do. Those who are not coming to church, they're losing the battle, the devil's winning out. We want to be there to encourage them. But there is a point where after such an amount of time, we have to realize it's time to take care of the congregation and stop letting them steal the sap. I remember a brother in Christ telling me the story that his pastor just had a zeal to really go after those who weren't going to church. And and there was a man who wouldn't come to church and he was older. So the pastor decided, I will treat him as a shut-in. And he made shut-in visits and gave the man the Lord's Supper. And and I'm going to say that man, I'm confident, is in heaven today because of this. But the member thought when he drove by and saw the man was able to walk to the grocery store, drive by his house and see him mowing the lawn, said, you know, I resent the fact that he's stealing a congregational resource. And there comes to be a point where God the Father cuts him off, and sometimes we need to recognize that and move on as well. So Jesus says in the second half of verse 5, the one who remains in me and I also in him, this one will keep on bearing much fruit, because apart from me, you guys continue being able to do not even one thing. Two people, we could have a hypocrite in church who claims to be a Christian who's given us no reason to doubt him and we don't go on witch hunts looking for him. Two people could be doing the same thing and one is actually producing a rotten fruit and the other one is producing a beautiful fruit. As I said, after I'd quit working at, at Wyoming State Penitentiary, I often felt bad because you know, friends would introduce me to friends. They'd say, Fred just got out of prison. And people would say, what did you do? And they'd stay away from me and everything. And, and I recognize that just living in that environment, my life of sanctification was not the same as others. But my faith was probably stronger than theirs. Their pharisaical look down their nose at me attitude was not a product of faith. And so here, lots of times we've got to recognize God knows what the fruit is. And they can look good to us and they might not be. 
Why is it that somebody who is not anchored to Christ can do the same thing we're doing and it can be a nasty fruit? Because they don't have the blood of Christ washing their sin away. They've rejected it. It, God can use it for our benefit, but it's not a fruit as far as God is concerned. It does not glorify him. And so Jesus continues, If someone does not continue remaining in me, then he will most certainly be cast outside like the branch. Then it dries up. So notice here he's talking about the singular, the one who's tempted you Stay away from church long enough. Stay away from the word. Stay away from God. And eventually they're cut and they're thrown aside. I've done this, real busy, cut the branches in the grapevine and, and just throw them next to it and come back a few days later and they're all dried up and I can wad them up and throw them in the trash can. We're done with that. And so far he talks about the singular one, but all of a sudden he gets in the plural and he says, they, they are gathered together and then they are cast into the fire and they are being burned in the fire. They continue, the fire is hell here. This is a scary thing, and this is why when we do see a branch that is staying away from the Word, staying away from that connection, one of the fruits that we produce is to go after them in Christian love and remind them that they are losing that sap, they're starving themselves. Because the ultimate outcome is finally God does say, and, you, and we can do this, we can stay away from the Word of God, we can embrace a sin so that it has an equal place in our heart as the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will depart from our heart. And that's when God the Father, the gardener, goes, snip. Now, there's good news here because the Holy Spirit can come back and re-engraft us again. Christ says he remains in us, but if we're going to stay away from his word, if we're going to embrace a sin and love it or something equal to or more than God, and we do it over a persistent amount of time, God says, finally, I will snip you off. I will let you have it your way. So we see we want to remain in the true vine. The branches that produce, they are pruned. So don't think God hates you. It's because he loves you and he's working on you to, to get more fruit. But the branches that don't, they are ultimately removed. So he says in verse 7, if you guys remain in me, and now he says this in the plural, and my statements remain in you guys, then ask for whatever you guys are desiring, and it will most certainly happen for you guys. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read verses like this, my sinful nature says, well, I prayed that I would win the lottery, and I haven't yet. What's going on? I'm asking for whatever I want. This is answered by two things. First, in the context. This is somebody who's connected to Christ. Your new man is connected to Christ in that mystical union. And so you are going to function in that way according to God's will. So if I'm going to pray, Lord, I'm going to rob a bank. Please help me get away with it. I already know the answer to that prayer is going to be no. That is not what my will. There's a commandment against this. But if I'm praying, Lord, let me be a more effective witness to my neighbor. God is going to answer that prayer. So when you're connected to Christ, you do say, and, and it lives in your new man, it's natural to him to say what we say in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done. We accept that God knows more than we, and we pray according to his will. Now, the second thing that answers against that, I prayed that I'd win the lottery and I didn't, is Jesus here is talking in the plural. That's why I translate that, you guys. We no longer have that distinction in English. He's talking about the invisible church. I think that a good example of what I'm getting at uh, happened in, in a small town in Nebraska that doesn't exist anymore. This church recognized they were dying. And so they recognized they needed to get out and share the word of God. And they prayed and they shared the word of God because they needed to make their heating bills. They needed to take care of this and that. And they continued to die. And just before they finally locked their doors, they would confess. It's then that we finally realized it's not about us. 
We were asking for our own selfish needs. And then they became the fastest growing church in the conference. They're still not big. But God kept their doors from locking. They started getting people from other communities that started to come. Because then they were praying, Lord, let us just simply be instruments in your word and trust in your will. So this is God's promise to you and I at Lord of Lords Lutheran Church. Connected to Christ and wanting Christ's will to be done, we can pray as members of the invisible church. And God says, I will answer that. And so he continues on. So we see prayer is actually a fruit of faith. And that comes from being connected to Christ and and because that to each other, the whole vineyard prays. And he says, in this my father is glorified. And the way the inspired Greek language says that, it's what he's just been talking about and what he's about to iterate. Being connected to Christ and growing fruit. So he says, specifically that you continue bearing much fruit. Now, again, if you want to know what that fruit is, look at the Ten Commandments. Listen, you know, God wants you to be in his word. God wants you to trust in him. Those are all fruits of faith. And so he says, and you may prove to be my disciples. These 11 men that he's talking to are his disciples. They are believers. Here in a couple hours, they're going to run and scatter, but they'll come back together around the Lord. He won't lose them. But your good fruits prove that you're a disciple. Now, see, you and I aren't God. We can't read hearts. So if somebody curses the name of the Lord all the time, I can assume they're not a Christian. But there can be somebody who's a hypocrite among us. And it's not our job to try to hunt those down, like I said, do a witch hunt. But actually, that's where good works come in. We do them not in order to be saved, but because we're connected to Christ. And therefore, we love God. And God just works that in us. And we want to glorify God. And they do just that. So we see here, the whole vineyard prays produces and proves and God is glorified in all that. So today we take that encouragement as Christ is the true vine to remain in the true vine. If your branches, you know that you're going to be pruned and that's actually God's love for you. The branches that don't are removed, but the whole vineyard prays, produces and proves that they are connected to Christ and that God is the gardener. Amen. May the Lord our God be with us just as he was with our fathers. May he never leave us or abandon us. May we turn our hearts to him and walk in all his ways. Amen.